Welcome to the podcast of Eden Worship Center, connecting people to God and each other. We are currently taking a short break from our study on the book of Romans to take a closer look at the events surrounding Jesus' birth. For more information, visit our website at edenworshipcenter.co. It is our custom when the scripture is read to stand. Number one, to give honor to the word of God. Number two, to declare that we are submitting ourselves to the word of God and that this word does not contain the word of God. It is the word of God. And it is the final authority and rule in our lives. Amen? Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the angel, uh, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Then Joseph woke from his sleep. He did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took her as his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Lord, thank you for the power of your word. Let it come alive in our hearts, lives, and minds in a new way. Give us, we pray, a spirit of revelation that brings illumination that results in our transformation. Bless the word of my mouth, the meditations of my heart. Let them be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The late Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole uh, would say that, that God uses dreams to direct, to protect, and to correct. As I was preparing this message, some of you are new enough to our church that you don't know the whole story of how we ended up here in beautiful downtown Honeyville. Part of the reason, a large part of the reason that we are here is because I was on a missions trip in Africa and God gave me a dream in Africa that we bought this building. It was still an active public school. Freaked me out. I'm halfway around the world and I'm dreaming about this old building in Honeyville. Now, I will tell you that Westview School Corporation had announced that they were going to build what is called Meadowview on State Road 5, and they didn't know what they were going to do with this building. So, you know, my natural mind did this, but still in all, here I am in Africa, and I'm dreaming about this building. Freaked me out. I was the uh, baseball coach at Westview at the time, so when I got home, I went to the maintenance guys who took care of the baseball field, took care of the buildings, 
uh, and asked them about this building. Because I thought, if anybody knows this building, they do. They assured me that we absolutely did not want it. I went to the superintendent, talked to the superintendent. He said, I don't know what we're going to do with it. It's a board's decision, but I have to give them uh, a cost estimate of what it's going to cost to tear it down. They said, oh, you better be really sure if you want that building. You better be really sure. Well, suffice it to say, I carried that in my heart for a couple of years. Didn't tell too many people. But it was a dream that was prophetically fulfilled. And on 2001, day after Thanksgiving, we moved into this building. What a blessing this place has been. Paranormal people who move in the supernatural because the God of the universe, the Holy Spirit that hovered over the deep in Genesis 1, that Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in our hearts by faith and he moves in miraculous ways. He does things that we don't understand. Our problem is we only see this little piece of the puzzle. My wife loves to put together puzzles. It drives me nuts. She loves it. All these little pieces. But you know what? When she gets done, and she's good at it, when she gets done, that puzzle is beautiful because all the pieces fit. Now, each one of us views life that way. We've got, we view God that way. We've got this little piece of the puzzle, and all we see is what we're doing, and what we're doing doesn't necessarily seem to fit, but I want to encourage this church, God sees the larger picture. He sees not only the larger picture of what was transpiring here in this Christmas story, but he sees the larger picture and the bits and pieces of your life and how they fit together in his plan for his eternal purposes. And he is a God of the supernatural who is working supernaturally in your life, in your situation, to accomplish his plan and his purposes for you. You just don't see it right now. All you see is this little piece, and, it, and it's got weird, weird edges. Those of you that like to put together puzzles, bless you. I will pray for you. Well, I want us to look this morning at the four prophetic dreams that Joseph has, and we'll see how these three principles of direction, protection, and correction really come into play. Look at dream number one. Here in Matthew uh, chapter 1, and in verses 18 through 21, imagine the emotion that Joseph is feeling. And we don't have time to go into a great deal of detail all of the, over all of this. But it tells us a great deal that God chooses Joseph to be the stepfather to his son. Tells us a great deal when Joseph is just caught on such a dilemma, what do I do? That, do I divorce her? You realize 
that when they were betrothed to be husband and wife, they actually became husband and wife. They just didn't have marital relations for that first year until the wedding was, was finalized a year later. Mary could have been stoned to death as an adulteress. We don't think about that very often. But that was the law. She could have been killed. And Joseph's got such a dilemma. How do I handle this? It's not my child. Has my, has my wife been unfaithful? So he's going to give her a bill of divorcement, put her away quietly so she isn't publicly disgraced. It speaks volumes of this man. What do I do? The angel of the Lord comes, says, marry the girl. Peers to her in the night. The Bible says, let me just read this. Joseph, son of David. That's a powerful statement in and of itself. Don't fear to take Mary as your wife. Marry the girl. Yes, she's pregnant. But it's a child conceived by the Holy Spirit. How do you explain that to your buddies at the coffee shop? I can just picture it. I'm sitting at the coffee shop, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the table that's going to be filled with the guys that I know are going to be there. Yeah, my wife's pregnant. It's not my child. She got pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Picture that. I hope you're not pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Oh, man. The Bible says it's good for a man to bear the yoke when he's young. That's why we have kids when we're young, right? Okay, moving right along. How does Joseph explain this? It's a small community. Imagine what he feels, his fear, his anger. How could she do this to me? How she could, could she betray me? How could she humiliate me in front of the community like this? How could she? See, we don't think about the emotions. Joseph was a real man. We don't think about Mary and say, okay, how am I going to explain this to my dad? I mean, if I'm pregnant and Joseph and I haven't really gone through this one year, he's going to want to beat up or kill Joseph. I mean, but Joseph's not even the father. How's he going to be angry at God? Joseph's a righteous man. Had to be reassuring to him that the Spirit of God is speaking and says, I'm working in this situation. It's interesting to me that when the angel speaks to Mary in Luke chapter 1 and verses 26 through 38, he speaks to her about relationship, about her standing before God, about this child, this son who will one day sit on the throne of David. Speaks about relationship, but when he speaks to Joseph, it's about righteousness and divine purpose. 
That's a powerful thing when you think about the difference. You see, Mary had her, per, her piece of the picture. It had to do with God's plan in relationship, her standing before God and this child standing. Joseph has to do with righteousness and divine purpose. When you put the pieces together, it makes for a larger picture. I was trying to figure out how to do that on the screen for you, but I'm not smart enough to know how to do all of that. And so get the picture. It's a miraculous thing. And what's glorious in this, when the Lord speaks prophetically in this paranormal, supernatural, prophetic dream, Joseph obeys immediately. Now, we have a hard time with dreams because we tend to think it's pretty irresponsible to act on a dream. We'd say, yeah, too much pizza or something like that. When I had this dream about buying this building, it freaked me out. I carried it in my heart. I confess to you that, that I told Janice, I told a few people, but I didn't tell many because I wanted my dream to be confirmation, not direction. So on September 21st, 2001, when we bought this building... The reporter from the Goshen News was here, wanted to interview me and the chairman of our building committee, and I said, I'll tell you the story. As long as you promise me, you will print it the way I tell you. I print it, you write the story the way I tell you what happened. Well, it was a slow news day. She did, and we were the front page of the Goshen News that day. But we don't really get into ordering our lives on dreams. We forget we are a supernatural people who serve a God who is miraculous, who can and does speak through us through dreams and revelations. Our problem is how do we filter through all of that? How do we discern what is God and what is too much pizza the night before? Amen? We struggle with those things. Well, here God is giving some direction. Go ahead, marry the girl. Now let's look at the next dream that comes. Turn over to chapter 2 and look at verses 13 through 15. This dream has to do with protection. Verse 13 says, When they departed, the they is the wise men, Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he arose and he took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken to the prophet, Out of Egypt I shall call my son. I love what's, what's happening here. Joseph be, is being directed supernaturally, paranormally. He only has a small part of the picture. But he does what the angel of the Lord says. And I love the fact that the scripture says he does it right away. 
He doesn't wait. Some translation says that same night they left. He didn't say, well, let's wait for about two weeks. Driving up from Florida, one of the things that helped to keep Tom and me awake as we listened to the, the book Manhunt, the search for Lincoln's killers. One of the reasons they caught John Wilkes Booth is because he waited. If he'd escaped into the South, it, they'd have never found him. That's another story. It was fun to listen to, though, wasn't it, Tom? And it kept Tom awake. Hallelujah. And I didn't get killed. Hallelujah. Joseph obeys immediately. He's got this supernatural experience as the angel speaks to him a second time. I always wondered, was it the same angel? Part of the, the writer in me wants to believe it was the same angel. <laughs> and when he has this dream, Joseph is sleeping there. I, how many of you know, have you ever experienced having a dream and you know you're having a dream? And, and you're just kind of going through living this dream and knowing it's a dream. And I can just imagine him having this dream. And here's this angel. And he's going, oh, yeah, I've seen you before. Another dream coming here. I don't know. I just have this big imagination. This dream is about protection. He obeys immediately. Now, Jesus would have been about two years old at this time. In spite of what you see in the Christmas pageants with the wise men coming with their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and they're bowing at the manger where the baby Jesus is, the reality is it would have been about two years later. The birth of Christ would have been somewhere around five or, uh, 6 or 5 B.C., but they come later. God says, go to Egypt. From what I've read, there is a large Jewish population living in Egypt, especially in the area of Alexandria, so it would have been easy for them to just blend in among the Jewish people. But here's an, another, again, a sighting, a supernatural experience. And for me, forgive me for just repeating myself again and again about some of these things, but, but I've been so taken about the supernatural nature of our faith and how we just kind of go with the flow and take it for granted and, oh, aren't the shepherds cute? You know, we sit in the Christmas pageant. Aren't they cute? And here come the little wise men. Okay, I'm the only one that does this. We forget what a miraculous supernatural event it is. We forget that the creator God of the universe, the God of the miraculous, the God of the impossible, dwells in our hearts by faith. We are supernatural people. Men, when you go to work tomorrow, you're taking the supernatural into the workplace. Young people, when you go to school tomorrow, you're taking the supernatural God who dwells in your heart by faith. You're taking the supernatural into that school. 
See, when it gets down into your spirit, it changes how you think. And when it changes how you think, it changes how you see yourself. Not that we walk around with our nose in the air, glory to God. Hallelujah. Not that. But it changes us. There is a boldness, there's a confidence in us that says, the God of the universe, the God, the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. And there's nothing my God cannot do. There's nothing special about me. I'm just an ordinary person, but I've got a great big God inside of me who can do anything. And so do you. Now, when that gets from your head down into your spirit, you'll be changed. You'll be changed forever. Again, look at chapter 2. This time, look at verses 19 through 21. We've got a third dream that comes here. And basically in this third dream, it's direction again. It's safe to go home. The king's dead. Look at, look at what it says. Verse 19. When Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph. Again, I wonder, was it the same angel? I bet it was. Saying, rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he arose and he took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. He didn't wait around. He moves when the Spirit says, move. Now, according to Josephus, Herod died around 4 B.C. It's interesting. Did you catch that the angel didn't tell him where to go to is in Israel? He just says, it's safe to go back home. It's safe to go back home. Powerful thing that the Scripture is saying here. And this was really to fulfill Hosea 11.1. Hosea 11.1 says, Out of Egypt I have called my son. Now, did Joseph and Mary consciously think about, well, got to make sure that this scripture in the Old Testament is fulfilled and don't, don't want to forget about that one? I don't think so. They were just operating by faith on what God spoke to them. And they moved in faith, and God did miraculous things. When we realize that we are a people, a prophetic people of the supernatural, led by the God who created this universe, this God who dwells in our hearts by faith that raised Jesus from the dead, when we realize that, it changes the dynamic. We don't have to see the whole picture. All we have to do is obey what he tells us at the time because we know he sees the full picture. Now there is a fourth dream that comes, and I want us to see that. Look in verse 23. This isn't quite as obvious as the first three. He is operating off of some information. We're going to see this. Look at verse 22. 
when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judah in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, here's the fourth dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and he lived in the city called Nazareth. That was spoken by the prophets that it might be fulfilled. He shall be called a Nazarene. Now, when you stop to think about this, there's some things that we know. We know that Joseph's home area, where he was born and raised, was Judea. Specifically, the area of Bethlehem. That's why when Caesar Augustus puts out that decree that all the world shall be taxed, Everybody has to go to their home city. That's why Joseph takes Mary to Bethlehem. So we know that. So when they leave Egypt, the angel of the Lord says, go back home, go back to Israel, because Herod's dead. His first inclination is to go back to family. And I love that because I, I love these, these holidays of Thanksgiving and Christmas. Uh, it's such a time for family. And you get together with family. And I don't know if you're like we are. I don't care whether it's actually Thanksgiving Day or Christmas Day that we're together. It doesn't have to be on the day. It just has to be family together. Because there's something about family. And you can see Joseph's heart being drawn back to family in the Bethlehem area. But he hears that Archelaus, the son of Herod, is ruling over Judea. Now, what we know is that after Herod died, the Romans just divided up the kingdom and they put uh, Archelaus over, uh, over uh, Judea and Samaria. He had another brother called Antipas who was put over Galilee and I'm telling you, Archelaus, and I won't give you a history lesson this morning, he was a brutal man. He was far more brutal, far more bloody than his father. And the Holy Spirit speaks prophetically and says, you can't stay here. God puts it in his heart to go to Nazareth. That would have been Mary's hometown. Because remember, she is in Nazareth when the angel of the Lord appears to her. Now, inquiring minds like mine want to know, how did Mary and Joseph get together to begin with? I remember when my grandmother came from Oregon. Matt was a seventh grader. We borrowed a video camera, and for an hour and a half, we just talked. And one of the things that I said to my grandmother was, tell me about your first date with Grandpa. And all she says, ah, you. And then she started talking about wonderful things about weddings that were really amazing. I wondered, how did Mary and Joseph get together? How did they meet? We're going to have to wait till we get to heaven to find that out. But they settle in Nazareth. Again, God's prophetic movement so that he is called a Nazarene. Hmm. It's amazing. 
What's amazing, too, is the cultural stigma that was associated with being with in Nazarene. It was synonymous with contemptibility and being despised. How prophetically significant of Isaiah 53 that he is despised and rejected of men. How culturally, prophetically significant that when they come to Nathaniel and tell him about Jesus, his words are, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It was a place of contempt, a place where people and things were despised. And yet God is at work. It's powerful prophetic things that are happening here. Now, let me just wrap this up for us. There's so much in this that just stirs the emotion in me. And it stirred so much in me to realize again that we are a people of the supernatural. We say intellectually that we believe in miracles, but practically we don't. When good things happen, we say, well, aren't we just lucky? Do you realize that as a Christian, there is no such thing as luck for you? I've had people say, well, I want to wish you all the luck in the world. I don't want all the luck in the world because some of that is bad luck. But the Bible says that God causes all things, say all things, all things to work together for my good and your good because we are the called according to his purpose. There is no such thing as luck. That's why there is no such thing as a chance meeting. You just don't bump into people. It's a divine appointment. And when you begin to realize that some people that you meet every day is a divine appointment, it will change you and it will change how you look at those people. I sat on the plane from Branson to Denver. To get to Atlanta, I had to fly to Denver. Crazy. And I'm sitting next to this guy. He was a teamster and had a mouth to go with it. But I had an opportunity to speak into his life. He's working up in the oil fields up in Minot, North Dakota, driving a, a water truck, making between $2,000 and $2,500 a week. Miserable man. He's retired. He says, you know, you can only fish so long. They began to pour out all of this venom. I will confess, great man of faith that I am, my first thought was, Lord, why do I have to sit with this foul-mouthed trucker all the way to Denver in the next to the last row of the plane that is packed? And yet God has a divine appointment. When you realize that you are a supernatural being 
and that the creator God of the universe dwells in your heart by faith, everything changes for you. Life becomes such an adventure. Holy Spirit, who have you got lined up for me to meet today? It's going to be good. See, I pray that, that one of the things that comes out of this Christmas series is a new stirring up in your heart and your faith. That you realize you're supernatural. You serve the God of the supernatural and that there is nothing impossible to him. I pray, number two, that you begin to realize that it's not just about you. It's not just about me. God sees the larger picture. God gives different bits and pieces to different people, but he sees the whole picture. Now, there's still a sense of mystery as we look into these prophetic events. It's amazing. The Jews totally missed it. But let's not be hard on the Jews. Most of the world totally missed it as well. But what we need to do We need to be looking for the Lord. We need to be looking, 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 looking for the power of the Spirit at work. Now the Jews were looking for a Messiah. They were looking for a Messiah who would come in a political sense. Some of us are guilty of the same thing every four years called the election. And we think, oh, if we can get a Christian in the White House. If we can get Christians in Congress, now that's a good thing to do, okay? But our hope isn't political. Folks, there will never be political peace in the earth until the Prince of Peace comes to dwell in the hearts of men and women. But the Jews were looking for a conqueror, someone who would kick out the Romans and set up a political kingdom and would sit and rule on the throne of David forever and ever. Somehow they missed Psalm 53, that suffering servant passage, and they didn't realize that when the Messiah came for the first time, he had to come as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. Good news is, when he comes again, it will be as a conquering king. Now, every one of us looks at life through our own individual lenses. We have our own set of biases. We have our own set of expectations. And so often, our expectations are defined by our frame of reference our experiences in life, our hopes and our dreams, and we don't see the larger picture. Therefore, because we are so myopic, we're frustrated with God. But we have to remember, he sees the larger picture, and he's going to fit together the pieces of our lives. I'm old enough to look back at my life and see a lot of things. I remember the day that Janice said to me, I believe God wants us to move back to Topeka. I said, that's the last place God wants us. I thought, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard come out of the mouth of this woman that I love. She's lost her senses. I remember hearing my brother live in Oregon. He says, if I ever move back to, to Indiana, it means I'm a failure in life. I'm praying for him. 
We didn't see how everything fit together. But it was perfect for us. What other school system would have worked with this crazy young couple trying to raise their kids on the road, having their kids in public school classroom, then pulling them out and traipsing the country? God had us in the right place. And then when God said, I want you to start a church, I said, okay, anywhere but Topeka. You know what happens when you pray the anywhere but prayer. But to look back and to see, Lord, your wisdom is so great. I've come to realize we are perfectly suited for the Topeka community. Perfectly. And I can't imagine living anywhere else. That's because God sees the larger picture. What we need to do, my prayer is that during this Christmas time, you and your family will take a fresh look at, at Scripture and you'll begin to say, Holy Spirit, open my eyes to see the larger picture, not just the little bitty pieces that I see here in this puzzle. Because like I said, puzzles drive me crazy. If it was up to me, all puzzles would end up in the recycling bin. But I admit, when Janice gets done, they're really pretty cool. And so often that's how we feel in our lives. But when it comes to this whole area of Christmas, we've so romanticized it. We have such a courier and Ives Christmas that we miss out on the emotion the feelings of real people in this circumstance who were being led supernaturally, who understood in part, but there was so much more that they didn't understand and they couldn't see how it fit together. But we have the advantage because we're looking back now on thousands of years of history and we see how God had perfectly orchestrated everything that happened. And that's glorious. When we understand that, it helps us then to look at ourselves. And we look at our lives and what's going on in our lives and say, God's got a purpose. God's got a plan. He's going to cause things to fit together. That's not fatalism. That's faith. Because we serve a God who is so faithful and so meticulous. The Bible says that he is watching over his word to perform it. And he's going to do it. Stand together and pray with me. Lord, thank you. Thank you for watching over your word to perform it. Thank you that you are the God of the supernatural and that nothing is impossible to you. Nothing is too difficult for you. And what you have purposed, you're going to bring to plan, pass. 
God, we see again how you worked in the life of Mary and Joseph and Zacharias and Elizabeth, how you spoke to the shepherds and so many things that happened of a prophetic, supernatural, paranormal situation. And you worked and you moved because you were fitting the pieces together so that Everything would perfectly fulfill your prophetic word concerning the birth of your son. And God, we realize as well that when it comes to our lives, we just got bits and pieces and we can't figure out how in the world they all fit together. And when they do fit together, what's the picture of the puzzle going to look like? But I thank you, God, that you have it all put together. (laughs) And when it's done, it's a glorious, glorious work of your grace. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.